We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by bet rivers sportsbook good morning chicago happy saturday welcome back inside the clubhouse here on sports radio 670 the score brought to you through your hyundai score studios i am david haw along with bruce levine here until 11 o'clock talking baseball like it or not even if the sport did break our hearts this week Enduring and experiencing the first work stoppage since 1994, making us wonder, Bruce, when the season will begin and putting some real madness in March. Good morning. How are you doing out there in Arizona? David, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big question mark. We're all uh, concerned about uh, when baseball is going to start. Uh, we're, we're hoping to hear from both sides uh, that they're meeting, but Maybe that's the good thing. Maybe that's exactly what we don't need to hear is the fact that uh, that we are going to have negotiations going on without media being involved, without one side or the other uh, pumping up their chest saying we did the very best we could and uh, the other side just doesn't want to get a job, a deal done. So from that perspective, David, I, I just hope that uh, over the weekend here, uh, they they get very close to wh- where they need to be at. I, I do not feel the millions of dollars that they're apart on some of these issues uh, should be keeping the game that everybody loves uh, out of the focus of spring training, early March, the best time of year for all 30 teams, for all baseball fans. And it's just uh, it's really hurting everybody. It's hurting the players, hurting the owners, mostly hurting the fans. So let's turn in the lineup cards here. This is what we have today for you. We, first of all, want to hear from you. 312-644-6767. Two questions, I think, come to mind. Number one, who do you hold most responsible for where we are in baseball or where we're not? We're not playing games. We're not watching games. We're not at spring training with major league players. We're watching minor league prospects. So who do you hold most responsible? Let us know. Call or text. And then secondly, when this does end, and inevitably it will, it will end. The baseball will be played. I guess that's maybe a tad bit optimistic, but I think it's realistic. Will you come back? The baseball fan, the baseball romantic, will you come back to a game that has turned its back on you yet again? Will you come back to 
pay what it costs to get into Wrigley Field and Guaranteed Rate Field? Will you watch? Will you listen? Will you be a fan in the way that you have been a fan in the past? Let us know, 312-644-6767. Also, we have Maddie Lee, who is out in Arizona, done a great job, the new Sun-Times beat writer for the Cubs. She also has a past. You recognize the name and her work from NBC Sports Chicago. We will talk to her at 930 about some of the prospects in Mesa and at 10 o'clock. Looking forward to this one, Bruce. Really looking forward to talking to former baseball commissioner Faye Vincent, who was really the last neutral commissioner of the game. He's not and he wasn't when before he left the job, uh, an extension of the ownership groups uh, or the owners at all, and he was somebody that was uh, the arbiter. And I am very curious of what he thinks about what's been going on. So we have Faye Vincent, and we have also Cubs and White Sox prospects to discuss their minor leagues camp, minor league camps open on Monday. And there's a lot going on, Bruce. So first of all, we don't have much to update. I think that your optimism is admired, and, and I think, though, I, I don't know if I share it because the last time we heard from either side was Friday for 90 minutes when Bruce Meyer met Dan Hallam in New York, and I don't know what was discussed, and I don't know what's next on the agenda. Well, uh, honestly, uh, the, uh, the owners have again asked the players to um, – to tighten up their offer, send it to them uh, from the latest information I've gotten. Uh, it was already, or it's already uh, um, the other way around where the owners gave the players their, their best offer uh, on Thursday. Um, and it was rejected by the players association. If you remember, and uh, the, the main issues of course are the, uh, competitive balance tax, also known as the luxury tax, where the uh, play, the owners are starting at $220 million for penalties beginning after that amount in percentages and eventually uh, players in the draft loss. And the, the players are starting at $238 million. The final number was $210 million when this collective bargaining agreement ended uh, uh on December the 2nd. <clears throat> so from all of that, uh, David, that's the biggest issue. The other big issue, of course, is the uh, the new players pool uh, that is being put out there for one- and two-year players. So players that aren't arbitration eligible uh, up to uh, uh, 80, uh, 80, 78% of the, the, the second-year players and first-year players there's a new pool that's been created. Major League Baseball has agreed to that. They've agreed to put $30 million in that pool uh, for the top 30 players um, as far as the statistical data that would be decided by war and a committee made up of both the players and owners' side to decide uh, who would uh, be getting that money. Also, the players' uh, Minimum salary going from $575,000 a year to the owners agreeing to $700,000 a year, going up $10,000 a year in increments through the five-year deal. The players want it starting uh, at a higher rate, right around $775,000. So um, I think this is all workable, but again, 
there's still millions of dollars involved, David. Millions and know, millions of Bruce, dollars. And that, th- those are good numbers, and it's great reporting. The, the fact of the matter is, when people take a step back and they look big picture, baseball is a booming business. It, it is an $11 billion enterprise. And I think that the day before the lockout was imposed, way back in December, if people want to jog their memories and remember way back when we actually were discussing signings and trades and speculation, you had Max Scherzer signing for $140 million. You had Javi Baez signing for 130 You had the Rangers spending a half billion dollars on free agents. Seattle welcoming uh, you know, their new pitcher, Robbie Ray, to the fold. Baseball, even though it has these numbers that separate it, and Bruce, we can do the math all morning and turn people away, baseball as a business is working. Now, the, the details are being hammered out here in front of us. We're seeing how the sausage is made, but I think that it's frustrating, and we're hearing from the Texas and Keep It Coming people, 312-644-6767, about how they're upset. And, and you know, 815, this is on the owners 100%. Uh, 312, uh, you guys must be getting tired of talking about uh, baseball and ec- economics every week. Absolutely, because I – fail to see why they can't just get it done for the good of the game and why they didn't start sooner and all these things come forward and you start to wonder it's 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 tiresome bruce it's just tiresome well i i mean you know it's a big business david uh you know uh, with, with all due respect to you i mean you know getting it done it's a, it's an 11 billion dollar industry okay uh there's a lot of money to be div- divided up here there are clearly owners. There are clearly players. There are clearly differences in what the past two collective bargaining agreements uh, uh, was able to attain for players. Uh, the consensus all around, including players, agents, owners, uh, fans, reporters like us, David, the players lost miserably the, the, the two previous times by ignoring the uh, competitive balance tax, also known as the luxury tax number, and letting it uh, not go up the way it should with uh, the inflation of the game, the money that was coming into the game, and uh, the fact that uh, you know revenue sharing from all of this stuff comes directly from that. And uh, they just ignored some of the main issues. They'd like to make it all up in, in one full swoop. And they're not they're not able to do that right now because uh, this was gained for the owners over a 10 year period. <clears throat> I know fans have little capacity for this. You and I have little capacity for it, but it's the reality of the situation right now. And, and that is that these dollars are not going to be all earned back by the Players Association uh, just because they're holding out or just because uh, the owners uh, refuse to go back until they have a deal. It's just not going to happen that way. So uh, they have a lot of gains in this new agreement. Um, there are certainly things that fall short. Uh, again, taking sides and rooting for one side or the other. Uh, I, I don't see the. I don't see there's any reality in it. I mean, well, uh, I, if, if you think I, that, I'm not rooting yeah. for one side over the other. I am thinking it's natural to want to take sides and assign responsibility if not blame for one side over the other and I'm speaking as much with my heart as I am with my head Bruce I understand 
the economic realities and what's going on and what the players want and and why this is so important. And I I admire the player side for unifying to the degree that they have unified and being as solid as they appear to be. I just think that when you look at it from a big picture standpoint, here we are in the midst of another work stoppage in baseball. It's frustrating to have to understand these realities, grasp these these economic um, numbers on a regular basis and not figure out why they wh- and, and, and not wonder why they haven't figured this out sooner. And, and I think it's about leadership. And that's what I think is it comes back to for me. And I don't, don't know if that's oversimplifying it, but Rob Manfred is the commissioner, obviously, to represent the owners. But at what point does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Go ahead. I mean, is there real leadership in baseball or are there, there are two sides? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that the commissioner, uh, other than uh, enforcing the rules that are in play through the CBA. I don't, I don't see, I, you know, other, other than a, 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 CB, a, a CEO or a marketing person, I, I don't see where he's really the commissioner of the players. I mean, they have their union, they have their union head in Tony Clark. And uh, honestly, uh, Rob, Rob Manfred's there at the behest of the owners. He's got a contract. I believe he makes, you know, something like 11 or $12 million a year. And uh, he uh, represents the owners. I don't see where he represents the players. I think he represents the good of the game when the when the function is going, when the CBA is there. Uh, you can question whether he does a good or bad job during that time. But uh, for him to um, for him to really, you know, say that he represents the players, I mean that I, I, I don't I don't see where that that is a fact at all. Well, I think that he should, and I think if you are the commissioner of baseball, you are absolutely representing the owners, but you have to keep in mind there's a balance to strike, and and I think that you know what this has become, as we've been discussing all week uh, on the Mullion Haw Show every morning, 5 to 9, uh, is the way this has evolved, and it's not just players versus owners. It's almost owners versus owner versus player, and you have big market teams you have small market teams they have competing interests that's hard enough to manage and navigate before you factor in uh, the, the players interests being served here as well it's a difficult job but that's what the commissioner of baseball is tasked to do leaders lead and rob manfred's leadership has been something that has left a lot to be desired that's my criticism that's not and i'm not on an island here and so when we had jason stark uh, who is the fine senior baseball writer for The Athletic on the Mullen Haw Show earlier this week, I think it was Thursday, I asked him about Rob Manfred's role in being able to try to navigate what I just described and build a consensus with owners and how difficult that just might be. One thing you can say about Bud Selig, he was really good at lining up his ownership to support what he felt needed to be done, right? Every, every vote ever taken under Bud was unanimous. It was a miracle, right? No, it wasn't. It was because Bud had a way of getting those two or three or nine owners on the phone and saying, we need you on this. So if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. Rob Manfred's having a much harder time lining up his owners lining up the vote. And to me, this is a test of leadership. 
And if it is, obviously, the commissioner is failing that test. He doesn't have the votes for what it would take to get a deal done, right? He knows what the players would need him to say to get a deal done. He doesn't have the votes for that. But there are ways to get those votes. It's time to implement every single way that he can do that. That was Jason Stark earlier this week on the Mully and Haw show right here on The Score talking about Rob Manfred's shortcomings when it comes to being a leader, when it comes to building a consensus, when it comes to convincing people to band together, maybe make some compromises, find a way to say yes when you, you want to say no and give them a reason why. It happens in politics all the time. It happens in, in, in business all the time. You have to deal with people and owners on a one-on-one basis and find out what they may need from you moving forward and say, okay, I, it, 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 there's a barter involved. There's bargaining involved. There's savvy involved. And Rob Manfred has shown none of it, in my opinion. In my opinion, he has failed the leadership test here at, when baseball has needed him most. And the optics are terrible. And that's one of the things that you look at in leaders. Leaders communicate as well. And they understand the power of communication and the power of perception shaping reality. And the reality is that people look at Rob Manfred and guys like Marcus Stroman want to go on social media and call him man clown. And he's the Cubs pitcher and he has every right to do that. But that's the mockery he exposes himself to when he's caught swinging a golf club Uh, and working on his backswing on the most important day of the negotiation between owners and players. That's a silly thing, but that's a small thing you can't allow to happen if you're Rob Manfred. He may be just blowing off steam, but that's that's an image you can't afford to have shaped about how much you care about what's going on. And you can't be caught laughing at a press conference where you are announcing the cancellation of the first two series of baseball games this season. You can't allow these things to happen. And they continue to happen for the commissioner who famously referred to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal. You just can't let that happen. And maybe that's overly harsh on a guy whose job is more difficult than I'll ever realize. But I think that that is the job that he is paid well to do. And frankly, right now, he's not doing it very well at all. Right now, frankly, he's bad at it. And that's why we are talking about baseball and there are no baseball games or there's no baseball season to talk about yet. So here we go. We're going to try to reconnect with Bruce. We're going to try to continue this conversation with the, the, uh, the hope that does exist in minor league camps in Mesa, in Glendale. The Cubs and White Sox officially opened their minor league camp this week. They have had prospects in all along. Maddie Lee from the Sun-Times was there. She's done some terrific stories on the Cubs minor league prospects. Bruce was there as well. We'll talk to him and reconnect and see what is ahead because you still, baseball, if it's, it's March, uh, you, want to, you want to get back into the mode where you look at the game and you have hope and you have uh, a lot of, uh, you have a lot of optimism and uh, it's spring is in the air. And we will talk about that next when we come back. Maddie Lee from the Sun-Times, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Saturday morning, welcome back. David Haw, Bruce Levine here, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Aloha Restoration. Call Aloha. For all your water, fire, and mold needs. And we're talking about the lockout. We're talking about the impasse. We're talking about the things really people don't want to talk about. So let's talk about things that people do want to talk about, maybe inspire a little hope. And we'll go out to Mesa, Arizona. And that is where we find Maddie Lee from the Sun-Times, the Cubs beat writer. And she joins us on the guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Maddie. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. I'm glad that I get the happy segment. You do. Well, look, it would have to be happier after the opening segment, which depresses everybody about the first month of the season writing, hanging in the balance here, Maddie. But you have been covering minor league camp and the prospects mini camp. I'm not sure what they're calling it, but I do see players and I do see prospects and I do see hope over the last week or so as you have done your job and frankly done it very well. Nice work out there. What has stood out to you? Or who has stood out to you among Cub prospects? Yeah, there's a lot of names, actually, which I think is really good news for Cubs fans. I mean, when you look at the trades that they've made in the last year, we know that you know the U Darvish trade brought in a bunch of teenagers, and we've talked about that for you know months on end, and and how how little certainty they got back from that trade. But some of those guys are really exciting, have a lot of potential, of course, still aren't there because they're still young. But, um, you know, a guy like Owen Casey is already showing how much power he has in his swing. And uh, Preciado is so versatile, both in the batter's box and on the field. Um, You look at Caleb Killian, who came in from the Chris Bryant trade, great arm. Cubs are really excited about him. So there's a lot of, I know that the trade deadline was really rough last year and even the U Darvish trade before that, but there are some silver linings. And it's nice that even in this time when obviously we wish we had Major League Baseball, that there are some really cool storylines on the minor league side for the Cubs that we get the chance to dig into. Maddie, uh, what what are your impressions of uh, Jordan Wicks and, uh, you know, the Cubs' number one pick from last year? Uh, just an overall look at uh, him and uh, some of the things the coaches have talked to you about. Also, uh, kind of his makeup. How do you, how do you uh, evaluate that? Yeah, he's a guy who, you know, Bruce, when you and I were talking with him the other day, along with a few other reporters, he's going to look much different than he looked in college. And he's very excited about that. And coaches are very excited about that because he's really sat down and they've thrown a lot at him since he's come in after the draft, but he's completely embraced it. You have his changeup has always been his strong suit and he's going to, that's going to remain the case, but he's really worked on some of those other secondary pitches to work in tandem with that. And he says he's going to be 
basically a, an entirely new pitcher when we see him step out on the mound come minor league season. All right, Maddie. So of all the stories you've done, I think the one that stood out to me in terms of intriguing potential and possibility was the one on Caleb Killian. I think that the, he, him coming over from the Giants organization in the, in the trade for Chris Bryant, um, he talked about going into the pitch lab and the Cubs teaching him some new things, some new wrinkles. Number one, how specific uh, did you get with him? And number two, everybody wants to know when you talk about a pitcher in the Cubs system that doesn't have a you know, tradition of developing pitching, what his timetable is. Yeah, sure. Um, well, for him, very specific is the answer to your first question. It's always fun as a reporter when you give a guy a baseball and he's willing to show you grips and kind of talk through the process with, with you. Uh, the big thing for him has been developing his changeup. He, he described his old changeup as just not very good, which I'm sure is a little bit of humility playing in there. But now he's working on a circle change, and they really like kind of the, the action that that gives him and then the way that's playing off of his other pitches. So Pitch Lab has seemed to really pay dividends for him, as it has for a lot of these guys. Timetable, we'll see. Um, he's not one of those guys who's, at the precipice right now, you know, he's still working on some stuff. He's not not expected to be a non-roster invite to whenever we get major league uh, spring training coming along here. Uh, but he is a guy who is pretty polished for for you know his age and and this group that we've been able to talk to since we've been down here in Mesa. That's the voice of Maddie Lee. She's the beat writer for the Chicago Cubs for the Chicago Sun-Times. And Maddie, talk about the that uh, the new job and uh, and you know now that you're a veteran Chicago reporter, having worked for NBC Sports Chicago, uh, your your goal and your some of your perspectives uh, covering the Cubs uh, for a different entity. Yeah, I, it's been an awesome transition. I'm so grateful to NBC Sports Chicago for getting me back to Chicago. I went to grad school in the city uh, and, you know, fell in love with it, but then had to leave to start my career. So it was amazing getting back and getting back to baseball because I had bounced around in a few different, excuse me, a few different leagues. I was covering the NBA right before this, which was amazing. Uh, But baseball always, has been my first love. You know, I played Division three softball. Like it's been such a big part of my life from a very young age. So it's really nice to be able to take that next step. And the Sun Times has been wonderful, uh, getting to write for that. You know, Thick Sports Saturday has been really fun. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just soaking, not to sound like an athlete leaning in the cliches, but I'm just really enjoying this step right now. And it's been a wonderful transition. I've worked with so many great people throughout Chicago and, and on the Cubs beat. And I'm just ready and excited to eventually cover a season. Yeah, and happy Women's History Month. And you are making your share of it at the Sun-Times following in the footsteps of Tony Gennetti a legend and other great women along the way who have preceded you at the Sun-Times. And, and, you know, just just keep up the good work. And back to the Cubs for a second, Maddie, because I think 
there's a lot of things that I'd love to get to. We don't have enough time, but just thumbnail sketches of three guys who I think uh, piqued the curiosity of Cub fans. Okay, so you've got Christian Hernandez, obviously how a lot to, to, to hope about him, Ed Howard and Brendan Davis. All three of those guys, in the, those are three potential stars for the Cubs, but we know it's not as easy as it sounds. Absolutely, yeah. Brendan Davis is the guy in that group who is the closest to making you know a big league splash. But all really exciting names. I'd throw Pete Crow Armstrong in there, too. I, I didn't mention him before, but want to make sure that we have his name in here at some point. Uh, came in from the Hobby Baez trade. Um, all really great talent. Let's talk about the shortstops just to break it up. Ed Howard, we know from a young age, has had to deal with stardom from that Little League World Series. And that's... I think really influenced his mentality just in the game and the way he holds himself. And when you speak to him, he really does. It feels like he's, you know, a much older, much more grizzled player because he has had to go through some of those, you know, the media circuits from a young age. He's a really exciting prospect, but again, 2020 draft pick young still has to climb his way through the system. Christian Hernandez, again, came in at extremely young age. Is Another one of those guys who, you know, beyond his years, and I was talking to Rachel Folden about him, and she said, you know, he's their number three prospect, according to MLB.com. And she said what really sets him apart is his maturity, because he came in here, a lot of eyeballs on him, and has just handled that really well so i think we hit on all all four of those guys but if i miss one let me know maddie uh as david said this is women's history month and it's a perfect segue talking about rachel folden uh the uh coach for the chicago uh cubs right now um your perspective of her on the job i've uh mine i'll give you mine first uh i've been totally impressed by the fact that um i've just watched her uh, go about her business and uh, and and gender was gone immediately as I watched her communicate with players and go about throwing fastballs and change-ups and sliders during the batting practice. I'd like your perspective on that. Yeah, Rachel's great. She's, you know, as, as you guys know, a minor league hitting coach, lead lab tech for the Cubs. And I mean, she's, she had a phenomenal playing career herself and has come in and just really slid right in easily. Um, and I think the moment that kind of stands out is she, she throws batting practice all the time. And maybe a few years ago, that would be a massive thing, right? You have national media coming down. Um, and the great thing, the thing that really makes me happy and points to progress is that, when Rachel throws batting practice, it's not a big deal because <laughs> it's just her doing her job and other women have come before her and thrown batting practice. And we're getting to the place where women in baseball isn't as much of a, of a headline, right? Because we're, we're making inroads, we're making it more normal. And that's the goal, right? Is to one day both on the field, in the press box, normalize that. 
And I guess while we're talking about women in baseball, shout out to Megan Montemuro of the Tribune, who has done an incredible job out there. And it's, you know, both of us were saying it, this is the first time that we've been on a traveling beat with another woman. So really exciting stuff. Um, and yeah, it's fun to highlight for Women's History Month. Well put, Maddie. Before we let you go, Obviously, we're talking to you about minor league prospects because you're there and your work has stood out. Obviously, we're talking to you about minor league prospects because there's no major league baseball. And certainly that is the backdrop for everything in the sport. And I just wonder, how does it, how palpable is it at these camps when you have the prospects? And obviously, you know, they're, they're, on one hand, you've got um, – You've got everybody talking about the lockout and when are the major league is going to arrive and how many games are going to get canceled. And then there's the work that is actually being done with these young guys who want to be in a position where they're affected by a major league lockout. How would you describe the juxtaposition of, of the hope with the misery and the, you know, the present with the future? Well, I think the people who it, you know, the players who it really hurts the most are the ones who are on the 40-man roster but not fighting for big league jobs, who aren't going to be on that opening day roster and are there, you know, to protect them from a Rule 5 draft or whatever it may be. And so those guys aren't able to get the work in that they normally would be doing at this time of year. So I, I feel for those guys a lot, you know, they're still trying to, to make a splash and aren't getting that opportunity right now. But for the guys who are on the field right now, who aren't on the 40-man, who are those minor leaguers who, with a lot of potential, this is actually a really exciting time and exciting opportunity for them because we, there are big league coaches around the field all day long because they don't have, you know, normally – Tommy Hotovy, for example, would be working with the big league pitchers, but instead he's hanging around the backfield seeing these younger guys and, and getting to know them before they eventually make that step up. So it's a really cool time for those guys, these prospects, to get eyes on them, both from the big league staff and then also from the front office, too, who we've seen milling around. Maddie, great stuff. Thank you for your time this morning on a Saturday, and keep up the good work. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. I'll see you out Maddie there. Maddie Lee, the Cubs beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times out in Arizona, talking about Cub prospects. So equal time, Bruce. We're going to talk about Sox prospects, what they may be facing this season and what they're doing in Glendale next when we come back. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Tony's here and our Major League staff, and, you know, they're certainly a – a nice opportunity to get our major league staff with our minor league staff and quality exposure for our minor league players that, that perhaps, you know, aren't able to, you know, work around, work with, you know, staff members that perhaps wouldn't be at this mini camp. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago sports radio, six, seven, the score. That was a voice of Chris Getz talking about the White Sox prospects in Glendale benefiting from the experience and wisdom of a Tony LaRusso, the Sox manager who is there. And Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Aloha Restoration. Call Aloha for all your water, fire, and mold needs. And, Bruce, when you hear from Chris Getz, the director of minor league uh, uh, operations for the White Sox, and talking about what he sees in Glendale and what's going on out there, 
you know, the, the rankings are one thing, and I think they all have to be taken into, into consideration of how the Sox have developed that talent, which is why they may be ranked where they are. But there are some players there that are getting some people excited. Colson Montgomery, West Bath, we heard from, or we, we heard from uh, those two guys this week. Um, and there's a reason to think that West Cath, excuse me, the first and third rounders from the most previous draft, that the Sox have a lot of optimism for their infield. Well, they do, David, uh, and uh, you know they're they're a few years away. But uh, Colson Montgomery, you know, as uh, we talked about, um, you know, during the week, is an impressive-looking young hitter, a left-handed hitter out of Indianapolis area. The guy is six feet four. He has a tremendous range for his age. Uh, the thing you worry about, just like uh, you know, we're we're talking. Uh, you know, a little bit about her, the Hernandez kid with the Cubs is at, at 18 and 19, if they're 6'4 and they're, they're, they have good-sized bodies, will they outgrow the position? That That's the thing that you concern yourself with. But what's wrong with having the next Mike Schmidt? You know, what's wrong with having, you know, the next A-Rod who ended up moving to third base when he moved to the Yankees uh, after uh, Jeter being there, of course, after he signed with the Yankees? Uh the, the whole situation with uh, with Montgomery and Cath uh, is you're not only impressed by the tools that they have and the, the abilities. And right now, uh, we're not able to go to White Sox camp until the next week. But, uh, you know, just watching them on video and talking to uh, the, the people that have seen them a lot, uh, you, you get the you get the impression uh, that uh, the makeup is as good as. Uh, the ability on the field. And, and that, that's the impressive thing about um, developing players right now, David, and, and the White Sox uh, in this case. And that is that these labs, you know, that we talk about the pitching labs, the hitting labs, uh, you know, that they have, the communication level is, is so much higher uh, between coaches and players now than it was 10, 15, and all those years ago. Uh, where you just hit ground balls, you talk a little bit, there's some instruction. But now uh, the communication with the person is so essential and so important. And you see an awful lot of that when you talk to these uh, guys like Montgomery and you talk to uh, Kath. They are, are good communicators. They understand that they have to learn. They have to communicate. They just can't go out on the ball field and just play the game. And they apparently consider each other best friends, which is cool to hear. And it's you wonder if uh, Kath and Montgomery will be on the same timetable, Bruce. That's hard to do if they're developing at different rates. And speaking of timetables, when you look at the young pitchers in the Sox camp, the guys who you know, we may or may not be in a position to look at and say, all right, can they, can they bring him up? Can they develop him? Will he play a role, even a minor one, on the major league team this year? Does anybody – come to mind because they have in the past dipped down into their minor league system to bring up guys for spot starts. Who would those guys be potentially? Well, you know, Jared Kelly is an interesting kid. Uh, he's got a really good arm, and, and he's rated, uh, I think, fourth or fifth by uh, uh, MLB Pipeline and our uh, good friend Jim Callis. Uh, he, he's a guy with a big arm. There's another kid named Matt Thompson. Uh, both of them need some seasoning. You know, I, I think – I think you're going to see more guys like Stever, who has had some big league experience, if they have to dip down uh, to, to the minor league level. Um, you know, 
he's he's a guy that uh, they will look at. But I think the first thing the White Sox do um, when when they come back, they they look at trades, they look at depth. Uh, you know, they they would they would very much like Lopez, who's been a starter most of his career until the last year or so, to stay in that long man role. I think he's going to be a very valuable arm for the White Sox when they try to compete for a championship this year. And uh, they would they would like to have some other alternatives as a starting pitcher uh, other than Lopez because you know during a full season, as we saw at the end of the season last year with the White Sox, the wear and tear really, uh, that wasn't the same pitching staff that we saw the first uh, three quarters of the year. That was a pitching staff that was worn down and in some cases um, moderately hurting. And from from that perspective, I think some depth uh, for the starting pitching is, is going to be necessary. And quickly before we break, when Matty Lee said very, I, th- I thought, good insight, talking about the players on the 40-man roster affected by not being able to uh, go to camp right now and develop at the rate that they were on before, Mike Rodolfo, Blake Rutherford, both outfielders on the Sox 40-man roster, both guys who need this spring training time and aren't getting it right now. Yeah, and it's 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 all over the place. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Uh, those two guys are, are really, you know, their their time. If you if you go back to 2020, David, and you see that a lot of these guys didn't play at all or were at a a remote site, you know, uh, just going through batting practice and having inter squad games and really not being able to grow. Last year, you know, and now was a full year and they were able to play, but this year starting out clunky, you wonder with the attitude that Major League Baseball kind of has on minor league players and wanting less, if it's not really more that they need because of the fact that uh, at this point in time, uh, these players' development have been uh, messed with because of uh, COVID and uh, now the latest thing, more, more of them, many of them would have been in camp, you know, a month ago already uh, working out and, and unfortunately... They're not able to do that. How difficult is it for the commissioner of baseball to do what is good for the game? We will ask a man next who has been in that position himself. Former commissioner Faye Vincent joins inside the clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 score when we return. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.